heads together right now. Lord, in your presence this morning is fullness of joy. Lord, that's where we get the joy is when we're in your presence. That's what gives us the pleasure in life. Father, there's great joy in serving you and being your children to know we're the call according to your purpose. And we want to thank you for your mercies and goodness that's in our lives. And the promise that you'll never leave us or forsake us, but you'll go with us even to the end of the world. Lord, we thank you, O oh God, that right here in the end time that we can experience your presence and know you are the living God, healer, deliverer, need supplier. We're looking for your miracle working power today to sweep through this place, Lord, and deal with hearts and lives and change them in your presence. Bring a healing, Lord, to those that are sick or those that are in need in a spiritual condition. Some of them said, I want a closer walk with you. Lord, they've asked even for prayer and said, Lord, give me a closer walk. Father, I think that's the desire of every true Christian here today. I want to walk a little closer, Lord. I can't find the way alone. I can't make it by myself. And I realize I've got to walk hand in hand with you. So, Lord, we put our hands in yours today, knowing you'll never let go of us. Lord, but you will be our comfort, our strength, our guide. Oh, God, our help. Lord, I pray that you'll just be with us now as we open up the pages of the Word of God. I pray that you'd also open up our hearts, Lord, that we can receive. Father, with the Word, there's all kinds of services and teaching and instruction, evangelistic ministries and jubilation services. There's all kinds. And in your great arsenal of ministry you've got all kinds that you use Lord maybe some are soft spoken some are maybe very bold and maybe blustery in the way they say things one's this way and one's another but you use them according to your glory we want to thank you Lord for every ministry that is out there and how that you're using them for your glory Lord, you're not a cookie-cutter God, but you've got a God, you're a God of variety. And you have a variety of people. And even in this church today, Lord, we're all different. There's none of us need to feel strange or, or weird because that we're different. But you made us, Lord, to be the way that we are. Lord, and you're molding us in your purpose and for your plan. And I pray that you'll use us today, each one of us, in a mighty way. That you'll give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say in this last day. Lord, there's not many with a hearing ear. That the ears are dull and their, their eyes, they have closed. That they would, Lord, that they could hear with their ears and see with their heart and be converted. But Lord, thank you, Father. We're so thankful to, for ears to be able to hear. We're so thankful, Lord, that not only do we have the ears to hear, but you spoke a message particularly to us in our day so that we would not be a part of those that are deceived, but we'd be that 
that called out group that you're going to change in a moment, a twinkle of an eye, taking a rapture. I pray you'll bless your people, Lord. May they know the presence of the Lord is in this place. Lord, oh God, may they, when they walk out from here today, they be able to say, God met with us in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord today and have each one of you that is assembled with us. Amen. We thank you for the music today and the singing, the praises unto the Lord. And Amen. Isn't God good to give us so many blessings? I was thinking of that song there, his um, goodness is running after me. That's the book of Psalms chapter 23. And, and, and the last verse says, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Aren't you glad to have that promise this morning? Amen. And knowing then that his mercy will follow us, his goodness is going after us. Don't worry about it. You've given your heart to God. Your life belongs to him. Amen. He's never, he's never going to reject you or push you away. He's just saying, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. And so we're looking for that rest today. Amen. Good to have each one of you here with us. We have the Hoffman family here over, all the way from Arkansas. And, and they, they tell me uh, it's the mother's birthday over there. So happy birthday. That's wonderful that you could come and, and share your birthday with us. That's, um, that's, that makes it really special to me. I remember Brother, um, Brother Wade came over with his with his new wife, Sister Jewel Wade, they were an older couple, and they were both widows, widows or widowers, and got married, and and you know fell in love, and got married, and Brother Ruby Wade, uh, his uh, was the brother and Sister Jewel, his wife, and and uh, they come all the way over here from Arkansas, and she said, Brother Tim, she wanted to go one place for her honeymoon, and that was to Evening Light Tabernacle. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not very big, but I grew about 10 inches about that time. Amen. And I, I tell you, that really thrilled my heart. There, she's a, Brother Ruby has went on to be with the Lord, but she's a wonderful, wonderful saint of God. And we, we love her. If she would hear this sermon all the way now, she's living in North Carolina, that the Lord will bless her abundantly. Bless you abundantly today. Amen. We got Brother Joe ministered, Brother Sean Martins, uh, Brother Aaron, uh, he's ministering up in Newfoundland, and, and um, they're coming home this week. Um, Brother Joe will be home to, coming home tomorrow, uh, starting home at least, and Brother Timothy and I, we're going to be heading out on Wednesday to Edmonton, and um, we'll be preaching the annual meetings there with Brother Ron Spencer, and so uh, we will be there, God willing, for the for weekend of services there. And so if you'll remember us in prayer, amen, I'd certainly appreciate that. Amen. We serve a big God and uh, we need him to minister to the hearts of the people. Without him, we can do nothing. So we're looking to him and looking to you to pray for us and, and just uh, remember the work of God everywhere around the world. Amen. There's many that are listening in from around the world today, and we give you greetings wherever you're at. And, uh, you know, I, we just pray that the Lord will minister you in a special way. And 
that you'll be ministered to today from the Word. Let's turn to Genesis 18, verse 1. I want to read that today from down to verse 3. And there are just so many wonderful things that lays in the Word of God and how we appreciate that so much. Genesis 18, 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And said, my Lord, this is very key, my Lord, if, I, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to be speaking today on the mask. And so we're going to be looking here into this part of, the, of this service um, and this revelation that God has given us. Remember, what we have read is not just a, a page in the Bible that is history, but it is prophecy. And so we are here in the, in the very fulfilling of this prophecy. So actually, when Jesus took the Bible and he opened the book and he opened it to Isaiah 61 and he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to bind up the broken heart and so on. That Jesus actually turned to the place that he was in the scripture. What we're doing today is we're looking in the Bible and we're looking to see ourselves because it is about us. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ and his church. So now as we look at this, we see Abraham is sitting in the tent door and he is watching for his appearing. Now, I think this is very important when we come to a service even like this or even, even every day in our daily life, we should be watching for his appearing. There should be a certain expectation. Uh, you know, not, not just to treat this as another denominational church service and we do our religious duties. That's not what this is about. If, we, if that's what it's about, we just might as well stayed in some denominational system. But you see, God has called us out for a purpose. And that is, a, that, is that he is appearing to his people in the last day. So we should come with every service with anticipa anticipation for the Lord's appearing. Now, he may appear in one service and it may be a jubilant service. And we dance the aisles and we shout and we scream. Or he may appear again and it may be very sobering and very serious and dealing deeply with the soul. And, and, and you, may be, you may sit in your, your pew weeping. Or he may, he may appear and it be instruction. And, and you're not shouting at all about it, but you're, you're, you're learning and you're in being instructed in the knowledge of God. So you see, there's not just one way that God appears. So we, but we are, look, we should look for his appearing 
every service and have an expectation that God is going to speak something very clearly and precise to us today because we are his bride, his people, and he is here to fellowship with us and to speak to us things concerning himself. You know, what he's doing is whispering the love secrets. Like a, a man and, and a, a boy and a girl that, are, that is going together and, and they're sitting close and they're whispering to each other their love secrets and sharing the, the, the very intimate desires and thoughts of their hearts. Amen. Now, so you see, they're learning about us. And we've got to know our bridegroom before that we go to the meeting in the air. So these are things in his appearing that he does. Now, Abraham is sitting in the tent door and he is watching for his appearing. Now, of course, Sarah is in the tent. Now that she's also the church. So, you know, there are, there are some that are watching and some that are Maybe they're just waiting. Maybe they don't even know what they're waiting on. Maybe they haven't got connected yet. But I want to say this, even if you're out of step today, that does not make you non-bride. Amen. Listen to the voice of the prophet of God saying, get back in line. Get back in step. So you see, I mean, there, there, there's always that for you that is calling you, you know. Never take the word of God as condemnation. Always take it on the positive side. When you read the Bible, I'm not a Judas, though it's in the Bible. Amen. I'm not a Balaam, though he's in the Bible. I'm not the great whore in the book of Revelation, though that's in the Bible. That's not who we are. We look in the word to identify who we are as the sons and daughters of God. And we take that part for ourselves. Now, now, of course, Brother Branham, as a typologist, he always referred to Abraham as a type of the bride. And Paul did the same. I'd like to turn with you to Galatians 3.16 and, and we'll just uh, put it clearly now why Abraham is so important. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. So, so to Abraham and Christ, the seed, were the promises made. Amen. Amen? So it was made to Abraham and Jesus. Now go down to verse 29. And if you be Christ, I mean it belongs to him. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So now if you be Christ, then you've been born of him. Then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs of this promise. So we're looking here in Genesis 18 to see what we are heir to. It's like going into a variety store and, you, and somebody gave you the whole store. Well, you go in there and look and see what all we got. Amen. We just walk in there and we look and we climb up on a step ladder if it's out of reach and we get up a little higher with God and we look in there and we see, but we're going to receive everything that God has for us. Amen. Because we are heirs according to the promise. Now, so Brother Branham would preach many, many sermons on Abraham. He would mention Abraham in almost every sermon. There's probably not a sermon that he preached that he don't mention Abraham. 
And, but there, there would be very few because Abraham, the promise is to him and to his seed, which is Christ. And if we be Christ, then we are Abraham's seed. So the promise then is ours and we are heirs according to the promise. Now this, is, this was really important to the Galatians who were Gentile people. And they were trying to cram down them the law and tell them they had to have circumcision and go back to Judaism. And, and Paul come along and said, no. He said, you are Abraham's seed. And you are, you are alienated and away from God, but you are Abraham's seed because you have been born again. All Israel is not Israel. Amen. So there's a natural seed and there is a royal seed and you happen to be the royal seed of Abraham. So therefore, every promise that was Abraham's is Christ and every promise that was Christ is yours. So that makes you an heir and a joint heir with him. Now, Abraham, just quoting a few things that Brother Branham has to say about him, Abraham is a perfect type of the true believer. So if you want to know what kind of believer you are, go back to Abraham. Amen. Who was a believer who is washed in the blood of the lamb, whose affections were set on things above. And then he says, Abraham is a perfect type of Abraham's seed after him in the church, a people out of the Gentiles for his name, the royal seed. Now, you're going to see in, the, in this study and this, and this uh, it's, it's preach teaching, uh, teaching and preaching that there are three groups or classes of people that are represented here in this Genesis story. And because Genesis is the seed chapter. So whatever you find in its infancy there in seed form is going to be in maturity in the end time. So it will be magnified and can come to a multiple harvest. So for the seed chapter, there are three groups or classes of people represented here. One, number one is Abraham. And Abraham represents the elected called out church. So the elected called out church is in the book of Genesis. And then two, Lot, the church natural who goes through the tribulation. So you find him also in the book of Genesis. And then the Sodomites who are the cannon fodder for the burning, they are also in the book of Genesis. So three classes of people, Abraham, Lot, and Sodomites. And now, so you, you have, you have there, um, you have those, those three kinds right here all the way to the end time. Now, again, Abraham was a type of the, call, the church called out, wasn't in Sodom. He was sitting way back on the barren grounds of the mountains, above the riches and the cares of the world. There's your three classes. Abraham called out. The, and the word church means called out. Abraham, the elected church. We know there's an elected church. We know that God predestinated the church. It's going to appear before him without spot or wrinkle. This is why when God looks back at it in the, through the blood of the New Testament, he says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. It never mentions his failures. It never mentions his faults. The blood has totally annihilated all of his sins. Are you with me? Amen. So Abraham, we know he is the elected church. We know God predestinated that church. 
he and here he he types it out in the Bible before we ever get here he uses Abraham to live out the mystery of the bride in the end time now so there's that elected church going to be there without spot or wrinkle he said so and we know we're a member of it how do we get a member of it by dying to yourself and being born again so if you're born of the spirit of God then you are the seed of Abraham Abraham himself, which is a type of the church, it was the last sign he received. So where we're at right here in Genesis 18 is the last sign before the body change. The last appearing of God before the rapture. And that's where we're at. We are in the last appearing of God. God is appearing. Now remember, there's a difference between his coming and his appearing. He, when he comes, that's the meeting in the air. But he is appearing now in, in among his people. Are you with me? Now, so Abraham, which is a type of the church, it was the last sign that he received for all the other signs that he received was the last one before Sodom was wiped out. So before the burning, before the, before the, the, the millennial reign, we are receiving the last sign. In fact, of the matter is, we are that last sign. Now, Abraham, Abraham is the seer, the seer in the bride church. Remember Genesis 20 and 7. Now, therefore restore the man his wife, he says to Abimelech, for he is a prophet. This is the first time prophet is mentioned in the Bible. And Abraham is God's prophet. Notice, he is representing the bride church in the end time who will have a seer prophet. And it will be that seer prophet that sees and recognizes and identifies his appearing. Now, notice here. And he is in the tent door anticipating and watching for God's appearing. So he's not just gifted, you know, to heal the sick and and cast out devils and, and, uh, and, and just preach some nice sermons. No, he's a seer. He's a prophet messenger. God's prophet would be in the last day in the bride church, in the Abraham church. When we think about Abraham, think of a church, a bride-elect church, not just one person. See, Abraham isn't Brother Branham, or Brother Branham isn't Abraham. Brother Branham was just a part of the bride church. And Abraham and Sarah are representing the bride church and all his encampment. And, And of course, there are those that went along with him for the ride. You know, they also believed in Jesus and also believed in Calvary. And and they also, you know, went along because Abraham said God was real and and whatever. You see, and, and he comes along, that's Lot. And they go through the tribulation. So there is a church and there is a bride. Now, so in this end time event, this Abraham, the Abraham, the true church has a seer in it. He has prophetic eyes. The eyes of his prophet catches God's appearing. And in this appearing is a revelation of deity. Oh, a revelation of who God is. Now, I want you to get it where, where we're at.
because we are in one of the greatest unfoldings of deity that the world has ever seen. Now, in this, and even though that Abraham sees three men that suddenly appeared beside him, but as a prophet by revelation, he knew that there was just one of them that was the Lord. So his first and foremost revelation is that there is one Lord. Amen. Now turn with me to Genesis 18 and 2. And he lifted up his eyes and looked and lo, and three men stood by him and he saw them. He ran to meet them from the tent door, bowed himself toward the ground and said, my Lord. He sees three men, but he only addresses one. Amen. There is no greater revelation than the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the foundational revelation that the church is built upon. Who Jesus is. Now, the greatest of all revelations is the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no greater revelation than that. So to begin with, the prophet gets what the revelation of one Lord, one Jehovah. Are you with me? And and so in the revelation of Jesus is also the revelation of the bride of Christ and all other unfolding revelations of church ages, seven seals. It's all encapsulated in the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ because it's all a revelation of him. So you can't even get to first base unless you believe in the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, listen, don't act like this is all ho-hum. This ought to be something that you rejoice in. That you're not like the Sodomites. You're not even like Lot. Amen. When he saw something come, he said, my Lord's. But when Abraham saw him come, he said, my Lord. Is that right? Amen. So you're not like the church. This actually identifies you as the people of the book. And when you're the people of the book, there isn't but one God. Not multiple deities or two lords or one God and Jesus is just a man. And all the other ideas that have come out. Listen, friends, it's in, in, this, in this revelation to Abraham, for just a few hours in time, the eternal God puts on a mask of flesh to appear before Abraham. And this was a revelation of one God to Abraham. No matter how many manifestations that Abraham saw, and there was still one God. Never, never was there more than one God. It never was in his mind that there's more than one God. Amen. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Amen. There's only one Lord, one Jehovah. That's what he said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Jehovah. Amen. So you see, the Lord thy God 
this, this is the Bible that is being pre preached. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is, that is Deuteronomy 6 and 4. And this is the earliest introduction of God to the human race. Where God is unfolding himself. And he makes it known. Israel, know this. Here's the first commandment. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. One Jehovah. There's not more than one. There's only one. Amen. That's the first commandment. And Jesus confirmed that was the truth. And the church of Jesus Christ is built on that truth. God is one Jehovah, not two or three Jehovahs. In fact, there is, there is no such thing as two or three Jehovahs. And there's no such thing as, one or, as, as two or three lords. Amen. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Amen. Listen, we, to be Abraham's seed, we got to be a one God people. Preaching a one God Bible. Amen. A one Lord truth. Are you with me? Now, Mark 12, 29, Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments. Here it is, the very first, foremost revelation of God is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So these are the greatest commandments. Amen. Now, so how can you love the Lord your God with all your heart and then cut him up and make him three. How can you truly love the Lord Jesus and dissect him and deny his deity and say he was just a man? The true revelation of his presence would never question the deity of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, so note the appearing to Abraham's royal seed in the last day. Here are prophetic eyes looking out of the door of the church as Abraham was watching from the tent door and he has this epiphany. He has a manifestation of divine presence. He has a moment of sudden revelation or insight. Now, listen now. Here we come down to the end time. And the prophet messenger, whose name ended like Abraham's with H-A-M, are you with me? Has seven letters like Abraham and was seeking divine revelation. He was on watch for the appearing. And I want you to understand, he's going to be the eyes or the seer that catches his appearing. And the revelation is going to come first to the prophet. So it comes to the church, but it comes to the seer first. Remember, even the message to Laodicea is to the messenger. To the messenger of Laodicea, write these things. 
So you see, he went right into the messenger, to the angel of the church, the messenger, who would give the message to the people. That's why it was important in this day to have a prophet messenger. Because we're here in the last age where it's very, very important for, for, for someone to catch God's appearing in the last days. Otherwise, you totally miss out on what God is doing. Now, you know, it wouldn't have, t- it wouldn't have took very much sleep. It wouldn't take too much closing of the eyes. It wouldn't have catched, it took too much nodding off for Abraham to miss the appearing. But he was watching. He was looking, he was anticipating revelation. He was realizing this is the last day. This is the last age. This is the last times. And we must have the full word restored or there's not going to be a bride going to rapture. So he's looking for the appearing. Now watch, Brother Branham talked about this in Message of Grace when his eye caught the appearing and he said, I looked again and there it was growing taller and taller, three rainbows. Now notice, once again, the prophetic eye sees this. And when he sees it, He don't make three gods out of these rainbows. He knows there's one God. And he says, I took off my hat and I set down my gun and I started walking towards it with my hands up. And it seemed just something seemed to tell me this is close enough. And I was going to sit down and take my boots off that I had on, see if I could walk a little closer. But when I got within a few yards of it, I seen the color of it, misting like a fog moving around. And I stood still a few moments. And it was coming right out of the top of the little mountain. And as I watched, as these three, one to the right, one to the left, one in the center, running down into a bowl-like Whatever what it was, was alive, it was moving, it was making motion. And I stood there, it was gray and dawn. I just want to stop here and say, what an appearing. What an amazing appearing. The pillar of fire coming down and manifests itself and, and the colors like a rainbow. And three rainbows there coming up out of one little bowl like a fair at the top of the mountain. And I looked again and I screamed out, oh God, what would you have your servant know? And just then the Spirit of the Lord came in and said, Jesus of the New Testament is Jehovah of the Old. He only changed his mass from spirit to man. That was confirming, of course, my message of him, letting me know assured that these 31 years hadn't been in vain. Hallelujah. So again, there was the spirit of the Lord coming in. And what was the revelation when he saw it in this appearing? He saw the revelation was Jesus of the New Testament is Jehovah of the Old. Reminds me of when one day I had a, a man come up, you know, had a couple of men come up because he come for two and they were Jehovah's Witness. And then knocked on my door and I invited the man. And he said, well, most people just turn us away and won't invite us in. Well, I said, well, I'm not afraid of anything you got. Come on in. 
So I sat down for a few moments, and he said, I said, so you are Jehovah's Witness? He said, yeah, yeah, that's what we are. I said, yeah, I'm Jehovah's Witness too. Oh, yeah, 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 we're all witnesses of Jehovah, aren't we, aren't, aren't we? You know, he just kind of brushed it off. I said, no, 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 I'm, you misunderstand. I'm a real Jehovah's Witness. I said, because the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, they didn't get nowhere that day. And about a month later, they brought a whole team, about 12 people back with all of their, with, with their big teacher from Little Rock. And he was going to show them how to put somebody like me in their place. Yeah. And when they left my house, they dusted their clothes off. <laughs> Amen. They didn't get anywhere. Because it's just like this. All you have to do is stand right there at that hole where the rabbit gets out. He's got to come right back there. Amen. And there is where our revelation is that Jehovah the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New. It was only God changing his mask. So here God comes to Abraham with a mask on. He has taken cosmic light and dust and potash and whatever. And he's, re- and he's there. He molded and made himself a body. And he stepped in it. And he's going to have some fellowship. Amen. He's going to have some fellowship with Abraham. He's going to do the same in this end time. Except this time he uses redeemed bodies to reveal himself and have fellowship with a bride in this last day. Aren't you glad to be a part of Abraham's group? Amen. That class of people. So he said, when I saw them rainbows about as wide across as that halo is of the angel Lord, and there were three of them running into one, how it helped my heart to know that God, that Jesus is not just a man as people think he is. Amen. He are just a prophet. As this modern idea today that thinks Jesus was just a prophet. He is Jehovah of the Old Testament made flesh and dwelt among us. And, and there, that sure did comfort me. And then thinking on that subject, he said, now there, there's a group of people who calls themselves oneness or Jesus only. I don't agree with them and their theory. Neither I did agree with the uh, Trinitarian group that says that there are three different gods, the extreme of the Trinitarian. But I believe that the three, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is one, that they are three offices of one God. He lived in the fatherhood in the pillar of fire. He lived in the sonship in Jesus Christ. He now lives, he lives now in the Holy Ghost in his church church. So guess where he's going to appear at? He's going to appear in your flesh and my flesh because that's where he's appearing in this last day. Not in a body that he created out here of cosmic light and potash and whatever steps into it, nor in a body that he created and made in the womb of Mary, but of a bride that he has created, hallelujah, by the word birthing a bride into existence so that God could come down and have fellowship with his people. Hallelujah. Now, so the same Lord Jesus that was made flesh and dwelt among us is with us this day among us in the form of the Holy Spirit. 
And of all the experiences, when I turned and seen it, thinking first it could be the sun peeped through a cloud somewhere, but it was before the sun rose. And when I turned back and seen it wasn't a light, it was a rainbows. And I looked and seen it, I become numb all over. And someone said to me, do you feel like shouting? No. He said, I didn't feel like shouting. Those experiences never make you feel like shouting. They just make you feel anchored. Just where that you know there's something that tells you just a satisfied thing. Amen. Now, you see a service like this, you may not jump up and shout and run the aisles, but it ought to just give you an anchor. A real satisfied feeling. That God appearing among us is by revelation revealing himself. Hallelujah. Not as one of three gods or one of three persons. Or not, not, not Jesus as a, a, a minor God. Nor Jesus as just merely a man. But Jesus the Almighty. Amen. Now, he tells the account the second time. And let your light so shine before men. So I go to the mountains, friends. It isn't so much to go hunting. I'm going there to get alone with God. So again, he's looking for the appearing. Some of you notice my greatest experiences I have is when I'm out hunting. When I meet God, out of all my experiences, I never had one like I had the other morning. Right up going squirrel hunting. I, I've seen many things in my life. Signs and wonders. And so forth. But that struck me stronger than anything I've had yet. Oh, I pray it strikes us today. Just imagine, just about to break a day. Rainy, solid, cloudy all over. See me, see it standing in front of me. Rising up like from like a cup on sitting on a hill. Sitting there. Three rainbows. Rising higher and higher until you're so numb to you can hardly speak. And then walk closer and hear him speak and confirm the very message that you're preaching to be the truth. Said Jesus of the New Testament is Jehovah of the Old. He just changed his veil. Well, I sat studying that, and I find out that the very said the same word that he changed his countenance in the in the Greek did mean changing his mask, not exactly his veil, but his mask. It come to the place he was transformed. That means he changed his way. He was Jehovah God, and Jehovah God Jehovah changed himself from spirit and became a man, and he's the same Jehovah God, which was the Father, and this is the Son, being the same person so there's not three persons of God after all are there amen now Abraham had this epiphany Paul had this same sudden appearing that brought revelation to him so here Abraham has an epiphany and Paul gets the same epiphany he has the same revelation There is an appearing to Paul, the prophet of the first age, to make him know for sure before he got started on anything who Jesus is. Because it is the foundational, fundamental truth that we that the church is built upon, and when they're built solid upon that, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. 
Now, let me tell you something, friends. You can find fault with Brother Branham's character. You can try to assassinate his character. You can say this and this and this about it. But what we are preaching and what we believe is not about him. It's about who Jesus is. And in Jesus is the seals, in Jesus is the mysteries, in Jesus is everything, in Jesus is a bride. You are in Jesus and Jesus is in you. And because of that, I don't care what they say. They can come up with every kind of accusation against the prophet of God. But I, this revelation is who Jesus is. And when he made known to who Jesus is, he made known to me who I am. Hallelujah, because that's what he did to Peter when Peter got the revelation of who Jesus was. And he said, and I say unto you that thou art Peter. You're a stone too. Amen. And on this rock, amen, I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to start with the foundation of apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ being the first cornerstone. All right? So on this foundation, I'll build my church. Now, when you are built there, solidly in the message, in the Bible, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. That's why these things, none of these things move me. None of the conflict, none of the arguments, none of the things. I just say this to some of them out there. What have you got better to offer me than what I got? It changed my life. It saved my soul. It put holiness in the church. Come on. Amen. It took out sin and ungodliness. It gave me a happy, wonderful marriage. It gave me four wonderful children and many grandchildren. Amen. It gave me a church full of believers who I'm not going and cleaning after them all the time and changing their diapers. But because that they got a hold of the rock that they're built upon. Amen. They don't have to be bottled and cared for like that, but they can be adult sons and daughters of God who know how to believe when crises arise. Paul got the same revelation. That's what he, what, that, that brought him in his epiphany. He was a Jew and he was acquainted with the pillar of fire. He had heard about it. Amen. It had been the very thing that had led his people out of Egypt. They had followed this pillar of fire. And when he saw that pillar of fire, when the appearing came to Paul, He asked the question, who art thou, Lord? Now, the first revelation Paul gets is who Jesus is. Now, you know, a lot of you come to Christ and, you know, you think it's all about me. And, Lord, I'm this sinner and I'm this and it's my problems. That's not the revelation you get. You get the revelation who Jesus is. When you know him is life. Understand that. Get your eyes on Jesus. You get your eyes on yourself and your faults and your problems and and how bad a sinner you have been and what you, you'll never get salvation. Look at Jesus. He is savior. If he can't save you, who can? It's impossible for you to be saved without him. 
So go ahead and, and get that first revelation who Jesus is. He's almighty God. And when he says you're forgiven, you are forgiven. When he pardons you, you are pardoned. Your sins and your iniquities, I'll remember them no more. Now, this is Paul. He's on the road to Damascus. He meets the pillar of fire. He has an epiphany. He sees, he sees the appearing of the Lord. And here he appears as a pillar of fire. And him being a Jew, he knew that was God. So he said, who art thou, Lord? And he, he knew him as Lord, but who are you? And the voice came back from the pillar of fire and said, I am Jesus. And it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now, from that time on, Paul knew that the Jehovah of the Old Testament was the Jesus of the New. This is why he could preach the Godhead and all the other revelations because it all began with that foundational truth. Now, Brother Branham tells us in Voice of the Sign, and what's it? The sign has a voice. So again, you know, the, that's what he was trying to make clear. There's a message that is coming with the sign. The sign was showing your name is so-and-so and you're from so-and-so and, and discerning the heart like it did in Sarah in the tent behind him. Right? Amen. So that was the sign, but there was a voice with the sign. And the voice is making known first God's deity. All right. Same way with Paul. He had the sign. You believe he was a prophet? So what kind of sign did he see? A pillar of fire. Amen. And on the road to Damascus, you know, Jesus had died, crucified, rose, and descended into heaven. Paul's on his road to Damascus when a great light struck him down. He says, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. Then he was told, you're a chosen vessel. I'll tell you, when he reveals to you who he is, you are from then on a chosen vessel. Actually, you were chosen before that, but you come to realize you were chosen. Hallelujah. Notice what did Paul have? The rest of them didn't have. He had abundance of revelation. Of the word of God because it was Paul who recognized that Jesus of the New Testament was the Jehovah of the Old Testament. And Brother Brandon says, hallelujah, I could say something here. He had a revelation of it. He wrote it and revealed it because God permitted it to be added to the Bible. And the word only comes by the Bible, by the prophet. So then God Revealed to Paul, he wrote the letters, inspired. God put them in the Bible. Oh my, revealed Christ, that he is Christ of the Old Testament because he met him. He couldn't understand how that pillar of fire was, that one that led this people out of Egypt, that one that had been with the Hebrews all down to the age. And here he is, he's seen him and he said, Lord, what is it you want with me? I'm Jesus. And he's seen this one that had led his people that Moses met, the I am, the ever-present, the same yesterday, today, and forever, was now manifested in the flesh. And it was his revelation. And he added above all the others because he saw him after his death, 
burial, resurrection, and ascension. And then he had descended in the Holy Ghost and was appearing to the people in the form of a pillar of fire. And in this appearing, he's revealing, I am Jesus. Amen. Now, because of this great revelation, of course, to keep him humble, a messenger of Satan was allowed to buffet him. But what he do? His revelation, now I'm want to quote this from Brother Branham. His revelation then was a prophecy for today. Think of that. It was a voice coming forth, wrote in the Bible to be vindicated today again. Hallelujah. It's the voice being vindicated again. What he wrote, because he was God's prophet revealing the sign was speaking of something. So you see, the voice of the sign revealed to Paul that the Jehovah, the Old Testament, is the Jesus of the new. And of course, that was a prophecy that in the last day, there would be an Omega people who would get the same revelation again. Now, so the end time messenger is to the last days will have to preach the same that Paul preached. Amen. Before Brother Branham preaches the church ages, before his first sermon of the series, and he begins it, he begins it with the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I want you to understand as the mysteries begin to break, it begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because from that revelation, all the others are going to burst forth. And if you don't get that one right, you're not going to get the rest of it right. And if you get confused, come back to this truth. Amen. Now, so the end time messenger, his first sermon, as the word is being revealed to him, the church ages are being made known. It's messenger. The first sermon he preaches is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he preaches in that sermon of the supreme deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, making known that Jesus is no mere prophet, but the God prophet, no mere man, but the God man, no junior God, but the almighty God. So let's go to the beginning of Revelation where everything starts unfolding because the book of Revelation is our book. It was, it was written, it was written even after Apostle Paul was dead and John's on the Isle of Patmos and God leaves this, writes it in symbol form. And so much of it is in, is in symbol because it's not to be made known until the appearing in the last day. And in the appearing in the last day, there'll be a prophet sitting in the tent in the church watching for that appearing to reveal these mysteries. So that it would no longer be symbol because it wasn't needed for them, but it's needed for you. So the book of Revelation is your book. So now you're in the Alpha book, book of Genesis. And now you're over here in the Omega book, the book of Revelation. And when you get down to the book of Revelation, in many ways it's about two women. It's about a spotless bride and an awful whore. 
Think of that. And so in that last of that book, he's going to reveal things to this last age that the other ages wasn't privy to know. And the reason for it is in the last age is the age of his coming. Where the appearing will, will move into his coming. This will be the climax of the appearing when we meet him in the air. So it begins with Abraham revealing to him the mysteries. And to him he sees there is one Lord. And begins with that foundational truth. And now he'll understand what happens with Lot. He'll have what happens with Sodomite. He'll understand what his promise of his change, of Sarah's new name, of his name. All of these mysteries are truths that are laying there in disappearing. Now, so the end time messenger will have to preach the same thing that Paul does. So he comes there and he starts because it's prophesying the Alpha Church has to also be the same as the Omega Church. I said that backwards. The Omega Church has to be the same as the Alpha Church. Because he is Alpha and Omega. So Revelation 1.8, it starts right here in the book of Revelation. 1.8, I am Alpha and Omega. So the first thing God wants to do in the revelation of Jesus Christ is make known who he is. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the ending. I was in Genesis and I'll be in Revelation. I was in the first time, in the first age in the seed chapter, and I'll be there in the harvest time. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, if you was reading this in your red letter Bible, you would see this is Jesus saying this. He is saying, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. I am that which was, which is, which is, which was, and which is to come. In other words, the same yesterday, which was, which is today and forever, which is to come, the Almighty. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Almighty. Remember, if you miss that key, that he is the same in every detail, except his mask, his corporal body. If you miss that truth, that understanding, then you miss who Jesus is and what he's doing. Now, Brother Branham tells us in the revelation of Jesus Christ, remember, this is what he's preaching, revealing Jesus Christ. And he says, what is he trying to put before the church? He's trying to show his deity. Today, they want to make him a prophet. He's more than a prophet. And some people try to make him three gods. He's not three gods. He is one God that lived in three offices or three manifestations of the same God. Remember, this is a book of Revelation. And and he said, whosoever heareth it and don't keep the saying of, uh, of this book, his part will be taken from the book of life. So Brother Branham is warning us there. He said, the book of Revelation warns if you do not hear and keep these sayings. You see, you've got to keep the Godhead straight. Yeah. 
If you mix it up, you're partaking of the book of life. You're identified with either Lot or the Sodomites. All right? So now Jesus not revealing himself as three God, but one God in three offices. And then that evening he takes the Patmos vision where John's on the Isle of Patmos and he's talking about the appearing of God to John and John is described. He's writing down his appearing and this is going to be prophetical because it's, appear, it's prophetical of the appearing in the last day. Remember, it's all prophecy Amen. and you are the interpretation. Amen. Now, this morning, he said, we took the supreme deity of, of, of the revelation of Jesus Christ, who God revealed to him as supreme deity, the great I am, not I was or will be, I am always. Notice in the first chapter of Revelation, what's the revelation of Jesus Christ? What is the first thing he reveals himself here as the God of heaven, not a triune God, but one God. One God, and he reveals himself the same way in the first of, the, of Revelation. And it, and it speaks it four times in the first chapter so that there will not be a mistake. The first thing you got to know that he is not a prophet, he's not a junior God, he's not a secondary God, he is God. So that's the first thing you've got to know. Who is disappearing? It's God appearing. Now, four times in the, in the first chapter, he does this so you don't miss it. The prelude to all the other revelations. I don't want you to miss this. This is a key. It is a key of revelations. Revelation 1-4, John to the seven church, churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And then verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. And then verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, to Laodicea. To the end of the ages, you see, he will be the first and the last. The Alpha, for you young people, that means Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. So he says, I am first and I am the last. And at the end days, by the prophet, seventh messenger, that seer, amen, God will be known as the Omega. In the beginning, he was the Alpha. In the end, he's Omega. But whatever he was in the beginning, that's what he is in the end. Who he was in the beginning is the same that he is. I am the Lord thy God that changes not. Amen. Now, so we can put that principle to everything. If it's healing we know we need, then whatever he was yesterday, he's the healer today. Amen. If it's salvation that we need, amen, he is Savior today. Whatever he was is what he is. Whatever his attitude was toward the sick, 
2,000 years ago is his attitude toward you that are sick this morning. He is the healer of all diseases. He was willing to take stripes for you, your punishment, so that by those punishments you could be healed. Verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. So the first book of the Bible, the Alpha book, begins like this. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. So he's the beginning. And then the Gospels began with St. John bringing it out the beginning. Of, uh, John brings it like this. In the beginning was the Word. So you see, the last book of the Bible, the Omega book, now look, it begins like this, Revelation Revelation 1.1. Watch now. Here, the last book of the Bible, first book of the Bible, begins like this. In the beginning, God. The first of the Gospels began like this. In the beginning was the Word. Amen. The last book of the Bible begins like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. Now, so in the, in the Patmos vision, there's one standing forth and his voice is like a trumpet. In this appearing, he knows someone is coming. Now remember, this is all his appearing that we're preaching about. And in this appearing, there's, there's a trumpet that is sounding, a voice like a trumpet. And it's somebody approaching. It's a great one approaching. Somebody's coming. Hallelujah. And he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Notice he's not announcing a second party or a third party, but the only party. Amen. Before I show you anything, he says, I want you to know I'm Alpha and Omega. And I will, before I show you anything, I want you to know who I am. So the greatest of all revelations is the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't get first base until you believe that. Repent. If you repent, you'll see the deity. Amen. Come on. If you repent, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. Know who it is that the deity that you're being baptized in his name. So you repent. You can't get the first base as a Christian without first repenting of your sins. And then repenting of your sins, you'll see the deity. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me now? So, and, and, and you will take on the name of Jesus Christ or the name of the deity that you are worshiping. Hallelujah. That's why we baptize in his name. Because there is no salvation in any other name than the name of Jesus Christ. So the first thing you got to know 
even as a Christian, is the, the deity of Christ. I'm Alpha and Omega. I am A to Z. There's no more but me. I was at the beginning. I'll be at the end. He that was, which is, shall come, the Almighty. Amen. That's what the trumpet is announcing as the appearing begins. We're talking about Revelation 1. So, you know, John has entered into the Spirit. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What was happening? He was going to, something was going to be revealed to him. And he says, the trumpet sounds, I'm Alpha and Omega, first of all, Revelation. First thing that he lets him know, that approaching is King Jesus. Amen. I, just King Jesus or King God or King Father or King Holy Ghost, I'm all of it. I am, I am A to Z. I'm the beginning and the ending. I'm the immortal, the eternal one. This is what he's saying. Now, so watch him now, you know, all the way down through as as he reveals himself in in this. Now that we come down to just before the last age and in the Philadelphian age, he comes and he says, he he begins to reveal himself again in, in the Alpha Church, in the Omega Church. In the Omega Church, he reveals the supreme deity of Christ. In the Alpha Church. In the Omega Church, he's going to do the same thing. So look right here in Revelation 3 and 7 as we approach the last age. Look what he says. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things say that he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, no man shutteth, who shutteth, and no man openeth. I know it thou works, behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. So he says, right here, right here, now I'm setting before you, just as they're entering into the last church age. Before the last church age dawns or opens, he said, it is a door open. And this open door is going to be, is going to be this, a door that no man can shut. I want you to know the revelation of Jesus Christ, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I want you to understand that that the truth of the Godhead, there's not enough devils in hell that will ever be able to shut the door to that truth. Because he said, when I open it, no man shuts it. And now the truth of Godhead has been lost down to the ages, but he promises it will be restored in the last age. By opening the door. Who is the door? Christ is that door. So open up who he is. The revelation of who he is. So the last age gets the revelation. Hallelujah. And in that revelation all mysteries are revealed. And finished up. To produce a bride in the last day. A people created by the word of God. Hallelujah. So that open door is, this, is a, the revelation of the supreme deity, not being the second person of the Trinity, but God himself made flesh and dwelling among us. And let me say again, nobody can shut this door. Once he opens it to the elect, 
The elect will not be deceived. Oh, you might fool them for a while, but once God opens the door of revelation, no man can shut it. Somebody else can come along and feed you sermon after sermon. You know, two lords and two Jehovah's and three, three gods and feed you sermon after sermon of that. But let, let me tell you, if God ever opened the door of revelation to you, you'll never be able to stomach that stuff. You'll sit there and say, huh? I can't figure out what he's saying. Where is he going with this? What's he saying about that? I don't know where that means. Because as the elect, you cannot be deceived. Amen. A warning buzzer goes off and lets you know that's wrong. Now think of this. Men have tried to make Jesus one of the three persons of a trinity of gods. But there is one Lord one faith, one baptism. Look how the church is divided along this line. You see, this divides the church and the elect group. So in his first chapter of Revelation, he reveals his supreme deity because his church is going to be built upon the divine revelation of himself. As Matthew 16 and 18, remember, he says, on this rock, I'll build my church. His whole church is built on the revelation of himself. Now, you know, a lot of people have taken it. The Catholics said it was built upon Peter. He was the first pope. And then the Protestants said, no, it was on Christ because that's who it's built on. It's on the revelation of who Jesus is. So the church is built on that revelation of God. Now, and when you're built there, The gates of hell can never prevail against you. That's why I said you repent, you see the deity. Amen. You receive the Holy Ghost. You're baptized in his name. You receive the Holy Ghost. Then the gates of hell will not prevail against you. I'll tell you what, if I can get our young people, if we can get our young people filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll never have to worry about pornography. You'll never have to worry about fornication. You'll never have to worry about drinking and smoking. Because when their faith, when they are built on that revelation of who Jesus is. Hallelujah. And the first thing you ought to know, he's my God. He's not my daddy's God. He's not my neighbor's God. He's not just their God. He's my God. My Lord God is Jehovah. And only him will I serve. So you see, it's the supreme deity of Jesus Christ, and no one can stop that message. No one can stop that message of the supreme deity and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. The gates of hell will never prevail against it. That's why I say, some of you question the message. Some people are, maybe you're listening to me today, and you're questioning the message. Go back to the rock. Go back to the foundational stone. Go back. Who is Jesus? You know, once you get that revelation, you can never swallow three gods again. You can never go with two lords again. You can never go and just make Jesus like the Jehovah's Witness and the, and the, and the, um, the, the, the others do, the Mormons do. That just makes him a minor, minor God, an elder brother, but not truly God. 
You'll never do it. You can never do it. You can never go back. You'll go, if you go back to the rock. That's what we're preaching on this this morning. Go back to the rock, the foundational truth of who Jesus is. Now see, when the angel comes in the last day, he has to have the same message Paul had. If he comes along and he preaches something different, he's accursed. Is that right? So he'll preach the baptism in Jesus' name. He'll preach one God, not two or two lords. Amen. And, he, you know, again, he'll preach circumcision of the heart. He'll preach divine miracles. He will, he'll preach divine workings, workings of power like they had on the day of Pentecost. The very original blessed Pentecostal blessing will come back to that little remnant to take it up yonder. Hallelujah, that's what the last messenger will do. He will be an omega messenger like Paul was an alpha. Now, Jesus said he had to have a church that, that the revelation, that was built on revelation. Now, the great main revelation, I'm just going this again, always is who Jesus Christ is. The book of Revelation, which is a revelation of Jesus Christ, opens the same way, showing the deity of Jesus Christ, his supreme deity. It's the first of all revelations. Now watch, in this last day appearing. Now John, when he is appearing, he, he sees him, and he says, see seven spirits before his throne. Right? Seven angels. We come to this last day and seven angels was his wig. Representing the seven spirits of God, which is just seven manifestations of the one Holy Spirit. Of the spirit of God for every age. And here we see a cloud in the skies and it's showing when it's turned right, when it's turned right, what does it do? It shows us what uh, there that he is, Christ is veiled with a cloud, amen, and that white cloud was his wig, with the angels being his wig, come on now, what was this doing now, it was showing us now the supreme deity of Jesus Christ, and that's what Brother Branham said when, when he saw that, he said, I, I saw that wig, he's supreme judge, Look at this, like the judges in England, or our older judges, you know, might be a young man that's a judge, but before he sat on, on, the, on the judgment seat, he put on a wig. He put on a mask, a wig. And when that wig was white, and it was showing age and showing authority, God was showing to you in the heavens the supreme authority of his word, Hallelujah, and the supreme deity that is supreme judge. Are you with me? He said he is supreme judge. There is none other but him. And that is a perfect identification, again, a vindication that this message is the truth. This is the truth and making him not a third person, but the only person. Amen. Amen. Again, he talks about this and the, what's the attraction on the mountain. He said, see the supreme deity. Supreme deity, no other voice, no other God, no other nothing. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily and the angels themselves was his wig. Brother Branham preaches a sermon of 
Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Remember, the mystery of God is Christ. So when he preaches, he said, it's one God expressed in three attributes. To be father, to be savior, to be a son, to be healer, his expressions. God expressed in Jesus Christ, who is, who is both father, son, and Holy Ghost, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, I'm happy to announce this part. Now, the complete fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in his church. All that God was, he poured into the church, and all that Christ was, uh, was, was poured into Christ, and all that Christ was is poured into church, the believers. So Jesus was not the second person of God. He was the person of God. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the full manifested God. That's who he is. The, the church is built upon that rock. The full manifestation of God. Uh, Not a Father, Son, Holy Ghost and Him being the second person, but on this rock of who He is. Amen. A revelation of Jesus Christ. Note, the bride church is built on that rock, that revelation of who Jesus is. The revelation of Christ, of who Christ is, then is our foundational stone that the church is built upon. Amen. In the anointed ones at the end time, he said, I was talking to a gentleman, a, a Christian scholar, a gentleman, a, Mr. Branham, we refuse all revelation. I said, then you have to refuse Jesus Christ. For he is the revelation of God, God revealed in human flesh. Unless you see it, you're lost. Jesus said, except you believe I I am he, you will die in your sins. He is the revelation of God, the spirit of God revealed in human form. If you believe that, if you can't believe that, you're lost. You put him a third person, second person, or any other person beside God, you are lost. Except you believe I am he, you'll die in your sins. Now you can see why this is so important. And you see now why the devil wants to get you off that rock. Because if he can get you on that rock, that's where he has Off that rock, he'll have you defeated. Now, as God's prophet, he unveils that God. So he preaches a sermon, the unveiling of God. Remember, we're talking about the appearing, the epiphany. And in the appearing, he's going to unveil that God. This is what Abraham does. He looks out and he sees three men, but he knows there's only one God. All right. Now, in the unveiling of God, Brother Branham said, Jehovah, the Old Testament, is the Jesus of the New Testament. He's the same God, just changing form. And he said, a Baptist minister out in Tucson said, how can you say that Jesus and God would be the same person? He said, well, it's easy if you let your own thinking get away and think Bible terms of it. They are the self-same being. God is a spirit. Jesus is the body he was dwelled in or he was veiled in. So he goes on and explains that whole thing. You know, you know, he said, many want to say, oh, he was a Jew. He said he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a Gentile. He was neither Jew or Gentile. He was a created being by the hand of Almighty God. God created the, the, 
the tabernacle he lived in that we know is the son of God. That's right. The deity, supreme deity of Jesus Christ because God dwelt in him. Amen. So you see all of these truths. Once we know that truth, the gates of hell are against that restored truth. But it shall not prevail against it. Now, we've had teachers or men with their own thinking they put in it. And they want to reduce Jesus. What in the world is wrong? That anybody would want to reduce Jesus Christ to just a mere man. That would want to deny his deity. What kind of a spirit is that? That has to be a devil. That cannot be God. God made the same Jesus both Lord and Christ. Are you with me? Amen. So here we come right down to it. The truth of Godhead is that there's one supreme, one eternal being known as the Father, and he manifested or made himself known in flesh. Why, do, why is he called the Son? Because the eternal spirit fathered the body. By creation, fathered the body, which we called the Son. Because he came from the Father, and then the Father came and dwelt in him. What's so hard to understand about that? It's exactly what happened in the days of Abraham. God made himself a body and came and dwelt in it. Walked right down to Abraham and he called him Lord. Come on, church. Amen. That's what he did then. That's what he did in Jesus Christ. The only difference was he started the life in Mary's womb and then all the minerals and vitamins and everything else and the calcium and the potash gathered around the seed that God had put in there from the, from the eating of Mary as she took this food and that and made a body. But then God came and dwelt in that body. Amen. So God fathered a body. That's what he did there in the days of Abraham. He was the author of that body. And he comes and walks among men. Now, he does the same. He only did that for less than, less than 12 hours. I don't know. It was long enough for Sarah to, for them to kill a calf and skin it and cook it. And Sarah to make bread and, you know, get old Granny Sarah out of the tent and get her to kneading bread and all of that. You know, it took a little while. After all, she was 90. Are you with me? So just a small window of time in Abraham's day. But in the days of Jesus, it was 33 years that that body walked on the earth. And God came and dwelt in him. You look at the miracles it was we've done. It wasn't the, the flesh that did that. Flesh can't do that. Flesh can't create. It was the Father. He said, it's not me that doeth the work. It's my Father that dwelleth in me. He's the one living through me doing these things. What's now? So you see, 
You see, he manifests himself, made himself known in the flesh, in the Son, Jesus Christ. It was the same eternal spirit that also manifested himself as the Holy Ghost who dwells in us if we're born again. Amen. It was the eternal spirit that revealed himself as God above us in the Old Testament. And then he would reveal himself through his prophets. Amen. God above us manifests himself by the word coming to his prophet through the ages. And as he revealed himself as God above us. And then he would come and be God with us. And then he would appear again as God in us. So you see God above us as he revealed himself from creation. And through the Old Testament then God with us. As he manifests himself in Christ. And then God in us in the form of the indwelling spirit in the believer. So you see, it doesn't matter. It wasn't three gods. It was three different manifestations. It was God changing his mask. It was there, God in the Old Testament, pillar of fire. It was there, God in the New Testament, Jesus Christ. It's now the Holy Ghost comes in on the day of Pentecost in a pillar of fire. He had returned back. He said, I come from God, I go back to being God again. Amen. And so he comes back to the earth as God in the form of the Holy Spirit. Not another God, not another person, the same God, all the time, changing his mask. Now, so ever in each dispensation, God has revealed himself as Father, God above us, Son, God with us, Holy Spirit, God in us. These are not three persons of God, but these are rather three manifestations of the same great eternal being. Now, God is a God of unfolding revelation. He starts with Abraham, you know, with the divine call. He carries him on, you know, and, and he will begin even in the book of Revelation. It says, you know, in our, the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, the Bible begins with, God, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 2, 4, it says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God, this is Jehovah Elohim, made the earth and the heavens. So now he is Jehovah Elohim. Did you notice here again, Jehovah Elohim, Lord God. Jehovah Elohim, Lord Jehovah, God Elohim. So now he unfolding himself in revelation. You see, the primary name of Lord Jehovah is a self-existing one. You know, literally, he that is who he is, therefore the eternal I am. But Hava, which, which from Jehovah or Yahweh is formed, signifies to become or become known, thus pointing to a continuing, to continuous and increasing self-revelation. So the name Jehovah would mean the self-existing one who reveals himself. So he's a God that is constantly unfolding himself. And you've got to see him as he's appearing. So he's been appearing and, and unfolding himself in Revelation down to the ages. Now, in, in Genesis 12, 1, he is known to Abram 
The Lord had said, Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said, this is where he, he appears to Abram as Lord of Jehovah. And he says, get out of your country. Get to land that I will give you. So then in verse 8, he removed from there and he built an altar unto the Lord. Did you notice that's capital L-O-R-D? That is Jehovah. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And, and so it's the name of Jehovah he called upon. Here's the one he's worshiping. Now in Genesis 14, 8, 18, Genesis 14, 18, there is one named Melchizedek. Now Paul speaks of Melchizedek as one without beginning of days or ending of life. He is a high priest unto God continually. He was the eternal one. So now it's again another mask. It's not another God or another deity. It's another God and and there he is a priest of the most high God. In other words, he is the intercessor or the mediator between God and man. So here is the mystery of God. I want you to get this. The flesh man, Jesus Christ, was not Melchizedek. But Melchizedek became Jesus Christ. Are you with me? This is what happened. Melchizedek became Jesus. Jesus was not Melchizedek. Jesus is the body created, the mask that God created to dwell in called the Son. But here Melchizedek now comes to dwell in Jesus Christ. For he is the fullness of all the expressions of God in the Old Testament, no matter what it is, whether it's Jehovah or Elohim or Melchizedek or Adonai or whether it's El Shaddai, it's all in Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, so later God would uh, reveal himself after Melchizedek. He would reveal himself. We've been over this in Genesis 17, 1, as El Shaddai. This was not another person, nor another God, but it was now another unfolding of his revelation. Again, this is what he would do, almighty in the, in the, he said, I am the almighty God. And, and that, that is translated from the word Shaddai, which means almighty, most powerful. This is what he said. Jesus said, he takes his title to himself in the book of Revelation 1.8. I am the almighty. I am El Shaddai. I am the God of the Old Testament. I'm he which was, which is, and shall come. I will always be. Hallelujah. I'm the eternal one. Now, no matter what form or name that God revealed himself to Abraham, Abraham knew there was but one God. In all these various manifestations, whether it was Jehovah, Melchizedek, or in this case of of Genesis 17, El Shaddai, there was never three different gods or multiple deities in Abraham's mind. No, he, he knew he knew it was the same God, just revealed himself in a different manner. Now, down to the scriptures, God has progressively more and more revealed his care to mankind. And it was often done by giving a new name. Notice, these are not all the same names. Lord, Jehovah. 
Right? El Elohim. El Shaddai, Almighty God. And so all of these different names, but when he would give a new name, in that name was a revelation of what he was doing in that present moment. For example, when Abraham offered the ram and a ram appeared and God uh, provided a ram, he called himself Jehovah Jireh. It was not another God. It was a new name of God, Jehovah Jireh. It was just a further revelation of the same God. God was expressing himself by a new name. I am the provider. I will provide myself a sacrifice. So he provided a lamb, right? And there, you see, God was expressing himself by a new name. It was more depths of that name that he was expressing. Jehovah Rapha means God our healer. And so when people want to know more about God, they would seek to know his name. That's why Moses said, who is it that I'm going to tell the people that has sent me? And he says, I am who I am. I am that I am. In other words, I am he that was, which is, and shall come. I am the I am. I am the present God for this situation. I am Jehovah. Amen. I am the self-existing one. And the self-existing one, I am going to do this. Nobody has to help me do it. I existed before everything. I made everything. I'll even make a Pharaoh who was made by me to obey me because I made it. I am the author. I am the creator. I am the beginner. And I'm the ending. I am all of it. I am who I am. Hallelujah. If you get that revelation this morning, he's the end of your cancer. He's the end of sin. He's the end of your problems. Come on. Amen. He is the beginning. He is the beginning. And you were in him in the beginning. And when this world is no more, you will still be here because you were part of the beginning. Therefore, there is no end. All down to the ages when people want to know more about God, they sought to know his name. Who do we honor? Who do we give credit? We want to know his name. That's what Jacob asked. Tell me, I pray thee thy name. You know, and he said, why do you ask my name? But because of asking his name, he blessed him. There's a blessing in, in, in wanting to know him. Judges Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, said, what is thy name? When thy sayings come to pass, there again, it was there, um, there again that, that where, when Solomon built the temple, he said, I build this temple that they may fear thee as thy people Israel do, and that they may know that this is thy house and which I build it and is called by thy name. So his people will always be called by his name. You see, like the interpreter dictionary of the Bible says, to know the name of God is to know God as he revealed himself. Let me repeat that. To know the name of God is to know God as he revealed himself. 
So when we use of God, the name in the Old Testament has revelatory content. In other words, God is revealing himself through that name. So Jehovah Rapha means God the healer. I am the healer. Amen. Jehovah Jireh, I'm the provider. Amen. All of these things. Elohim, I'm the self-existing one. It's a revelation in the name. Jehovah coming over the earth and dwelling in the man Christ Jesus took upon himself a new unfolding of the name Jehovah. I want you to get this. Jesus was not named something different. He took on his father's name. The one who made the body, he named him after himself. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch this now. Matthew 121, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. So there's a revelation in this name Jesus about salvation. And this name Jesus is literally means Jehovah Savior. So Jehovah's coming again and appearing again, but he's appearing in a revelation of his name in a way that has never been known before as Redeemer, Savior. So he says, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. So it's unfolding revelation. Now, why does, why does Jehovah come in Jesus Christ? To save us from our sins. Why will they call him Jehovah's Savior? Every time you say Jesus, you're saying Jehovah's Savior. For he shall save his people from their sins in that name is a revelation of what he's doing. Are you with me? His name shall be called. Now watch. They will call his name, or here's a title or a definition of his name, Emmanuel. In other words, the meaning of his name, Emmanuel, will mean God is with us. Not a second person. Come on, somebody. Amen. But the person. Amen. Behold, a virgin shall be with child to bring forth the son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. So this Jehovah's Savior would be God with us. He was God above us, but now he's taken on flesh. The word has become flesh, created a body, and now God is with us. For what purpose? Salvation. Now, so he took on a name to characterize his redemptive work. Yeah, he was spoken of as redeemer in the Old Testament, but mankind had not known him fully as redeemer, as man had not yet fully been redeemed until Jesus came. There was no full redemption in the Old Testament. Israel had only been redeemed out of bondage but still needed to be redeemed from sin. So yeah, he was their redeemer in that he took them from bondage, but man was still in sin. You see, there was a greater slavery, bondage than the slavery down in Egypt. So they they needed redeeming from the slavery of sin. 
Come on now. Amen. We were all slaves. Not just a few of us, all of us. We were born slaves. We were sold as slaves from our father, Adam. And we needed a redeemer. And that's why Jesus came to set us free from sin. Are you with me? So in the name that his name would be Jehovah Savior, Jesus, to save his people from their sin. In him would be redemption. Salvation would only be in his name. No other name that is given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name given. Are you with me? But the name of Jesus. Now this was very important in that day. Very it's important in this day. But it was important to those Jewish believers because they had to see God with his mask. They had to look behind the human flesh and say, that's the Lord. Abraham had to do that. He, saw, he sees a man walking up, two angels with him. And he looks there and he said, my Lord, it's Jehovah. He had to recognize him in his mask. Amen. See, it's like a drama. And one character can play different, different scenes. He just goes and changes his clothes and his mask and he comes back out. He's one on, on the stage and he's this and another. He's, an, he's another character. Well, that's what God did. This is a great drama. And so God would come on the scene and he would reveal himself as Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Curtains close, comes back over, and then the Lord God made the seas. And the oh, curtains open here, and the Lord God, Lord Jehovah Elohim. Then he comes and reveals himself, El Shaddai, Melchizedek. It's the same God all the time. And he's just changing his mask. And now, you see, because of his mask, they crucified him. They did not recognize the Lord of glory. Amen. You see, now they knew him as Jehovah of the Old Old Testament, but they had to know him as the Jesus of the New Testament. It was no longer enough to know him as Jehovah who led them out of Egypt. Now they must know him as Jehovah Savior. Because Jehovah had now come to save them. And they had to know God in the revelation of his name as he was revealed in Christ. When Paul saw him, he, you know, he was instructed He says, arise, be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What was the name of the Lord? What was the name he was going to call on? You see, he was told for his sins to be washed away, arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, invoking the name of the Lord. You see, this, this is an important part of salvation. There is no salvation in titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Salvation only is in the name. Although he is Father, Son, 
Holy Ghost, he's also wonderful. Counselor, Prince of Peace. None of them will work for salvation but the name of Jesus. Just a few days earlier, Paul had asked that question, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. So he revealed himself. He revealed himself. Jesus revealed himself to Paul as Lord. Paul knew about the Lord God of the Old Testament. But at that time, he did not serve the Jesus of the New Testament. You see, here he was going about trying to do service for Jehovah. And Jehovah was now here in a different form. And he was trying to destroy him. Why persecutest thou me? And so when he learned, he learned that the Lord of the Old Testament was the same as the Lord of the New Testament. And to his amazement, the Lord's name was Jesus. It was the same God, the same person. It was an expression of his name and a redemptive word. And there's no salvation in any other name or, or, or any other God or any other person than Jesus Christ. Remember, why did he do this? He had to take on a mask. He had to come and step down among man. He had to allow now that flesh body to die for redemption's sake to become the lamb. To become the Redeemer. Are you with me? Amen. But now, so here we come. Jesus is the highest name of God ever revealed to mankind. Hallelujah. You'll never get the first base if you don't believe in the supreme deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a supreme revelation of God today. No other name. I want to say it real clear. No other name of God has ever been so full of God's glory. That's revealing his nature, his character to humanity as much as the name of Jesus. No matter whether he expressed himself as El Shaddai or Melchizedek or Elohim or Jehovah the Old Testament, Jesus literally means Jehovah's salvation and it's the fullness of of the revelation of God as redeemer. It lies, all lies within that name. When you say Jesus, you are saying my healer. When you say Jesus, you are saying my provider. When you say Jesus, come on. When you call on that name, you are saying savior. Whatever need humanity has, all lays in the name Jesus. It is the highest name of all names that at the mention of that name, every demon has to bow, every spirit has to fall. <laughs> Hallelujah. In that name encapsulate and encompasses all the former revelations of God. Jesus, amen, in Jesus is Melchizedek. Amen. He is El Shaddai. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Nishi. He is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Amen. Everything is encapsulated in that name. There's not a greater revelation of God than in Jesus. And from him is the source of all other revelations. Amen. 
So if Jesus, if the name Jesus is God incarnate, then Jesus is the greatest name ever been revealed. Think of that. Amen. His name should be called Jesus. For he will save his people from the sin. Jehovah will save his people. This is the greatest thing. You see, even in the former names of Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nishi, Jehovah Driver, El Shaddai, Melchizedek, never in there was salvation. None of that. Melchizedek didn't save Abraham from sin. Jehovah Jireh did not save him from sin. All the other names, Jehovah Nishi, El Shaddai, didn't save him from sin. Come on, somebody. Salvation from sin is only in that one name, Jesus. And without that name, you cannot be saved. It might become a common name to you, but the name of Jesus is the greatest name above all names. There is no other name like Jesus. There is no higher name than Jesus. You see, he's a great, he, this is a direct fulfillment of this prophecy. Isaiah 17, 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, bear a son, call his name Emmanuel. This Emmanuel means God with us, as Matthew 1, 23 said. So literally, God was humanity since God himself was incarnate in Jesus Christ. Jehovah, Savior. There you have in those two parts, Jehovah, Savior, the fulfillment of Emmanuel, which includes two parts, meaning God with us. See, God with us. Two parts. And that fulfillment is in Jehovah, Savior. God coming down to take on human battles. God coming down to deliver you from slave owners. That devil that had rule over your life from the first birth. He's now coming as Savior to save you from sin. It's simply, it's simply another, another a, a manner of extending the revelation of himself as he did in the Old Testament. Calling himself Jehovah Provider, Jehovah Healer, Melchizedek, El Shaddai, all of these other names. All these characteristics was in Jesus. And all the New Testament saints saw something that Abraham didn't even get to see all. And that being deliverance. They seen the characteristics of God that was never fully revealed to the Old Testament. Think about it. In the Omega church, it's a greater revelation. Because they didn't know him as Savior. They still had to live in their sins. But you can't be set free from your sins. Sin nature dies and you're born again. And since salvation is the greatest revelation ever given to man, then the name Jesus is the highest name ever given because it is Jehovah coming to save. And without him, there is no salvation and cannot be salvation. This is why Paul would say in Philippians 2 and 9, Wherefore? God hath highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. Hallelujah. So if you're questioning whether it's the highest name or not, you ought to be able to look right there and see it. He gave him a name which is above every name. 
This name is greater than Melchizedek. No salvation in that name. Greater than El Shaddai. No salvation in that name. Amen. This name is greater. Come on. There's healing in this name. Deliverance in this name. Salvation in this name. A rapture in his name. Every promise in that name. Hallelujah. That's why God wanted you, his bride, to know him by name. Because you are the people to become in covenant with him and take on his name. A people of the book, a people of his name. You know, if Jesus is not God's name, then we have a person who possesses a greater name than God's own name. So the conclusion must be that Jesus must be God's name. Oh, my. Look, the Bible said in Philippians 2.10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. Every knee would bow. Every other thing has to bow to that way great name. There's no salvation in any other name. There's no salvation when you invoke Melchizedek. No salvation when you invoke Jehovah Jireh. There's only in the revelation of the name Jesus is there salvation. Now, I'm going to try to bring this down to close because I want to say something. You see, in Acts 4 and 10, Peter said, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand whole before you whole. This is the stone that was set at naught of you builders which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Peter is saying to those Jews, you've known him as Melchizedek, Elohim, Jehovah, all of these great names but you know what? You can come now and you can scream and cry and use those names and get nothing. You cannot be saved in any other name. You want to be delivered? You've got to come to this name. You've got to realize who this is. You've got to see God behind this mask. You've got to know who it is. And Peter is saying, you can pray, scream, cry, get nothing. You will not find deliverance in the other name unless you know God by this name. Jesus, this expression of his revelation, Jehovah's Savior, you cannot be saved. Think of that. About 99% of Christians don't have that revelation. Too many message believers don't have that revelation. But God has made it known to you that he is this same Jesus. He has made both Lord and and Christ. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. I'm going to try to finish with this last scripture. At his birth, he was given the name Jesus. But after he died and buried and rose again, this is what Peter said of him. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God hath made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now watch. This Jesus who was crucified after his death, burial, and resurrection is now both Lord and Christ. He is no longer just a mere man. He is the supreme Lord. Almighty God. Because when he was raised up from the dead and ascended on high and his body glorified, are you with me? He becomes both Lord and Christ. So the very body of Jesus was glorified. Can I say it? Deified. And I want you to understand in the ages to come, he will still be Lord. When all redemption is complete and he surrenders the kingdom back to his father, showing that his work of kinsman redeemer is now over, when the last person has been saved and the earth has been fully restored and redeemed and it's all over and his whole purpose of kinsman work is finished, he will be God, the very God. And that body that was flesh but now glorified will always be the only visible manifestation of God because that's his body. It will not be done away. It will not be discarded. It will not be set aside. Just as your glorified body will always be the visible manifestation of your eternal spirit, so will the body of Jesus always be the visible manifestation of the eternal God. Just as your body makes your human spirit visible now and will make it visible in heaven when it's glorified. Even so, Jesus made the eternal and Holy Spirit visible. John 1.18 said, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten of the Father, which, well, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Nobody can see God. But he had to have a mask. For Abraham to see him, he had to have a mask. For him to be seen 2,000 years ago and walked the shores of Galilee, he needed a mask. In the great eternals ahead, For him to be seen, he will have a body. Let me just say, there's no eternal son. And one day, sonship will be finished. His purpose of being the son will come to an end. Jesus' work as Savior will be over with. And the sonship will cease. But the body of Jesus will never return to cosmic light and potash and clay. His body like yours, will never be annihilated and he will never ever just become one of of the brothers. He will always be through eternity the body where the fullness of God dwells. And that day when it's all over and the kingdom is surrendered and handed back to the Father, we will still bow and reverence Jesus Christ as God 
Almighty. Never annihilated. That mask that he took on 2,000 years ago, that sets now as a man to be our approach to God, the invisible God, the only way we can approach is through Jesus. So we come to the throne with our prayers to the man, Christ Jesus, who understands us as a man. But that very man is the almighty God. And that very man through the eternities will be the visible manifestation of almighty God. And one day, you will have your opportunity to stroll hand in hand with the Almighty God. Sit in audience with Him as His Queen. Rule and reign with Him through the millennial reign. You know why? Because you're Jesus too. He's Jesus. You're Miss Jesus. And that's where he's manifested in this day. It says, Miss Jesus. But one day, Mr. Jesus will come. And Miss Jesus will go and meet him in the air. And they'll have a marriage supper together for three and a half years. And after that, a honeymoon of a thousand years. And we'll rule and reign with Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The lion will lay down with the lamb. There'll be nothing to hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And then, at the end, there'll be Satan loose for a short season. And then will come the final battle while the saints camp on the breath of the earth. And then the battle is finished and Satan, his angels, and all the evil ones cast into hell and will be no more. In the millennium, he's only bound for a thousand years. But in in this, he will be annihilated. Because you can't be annihilated. But he can. So when in the eternal ages to come, you will look back and see the things that have troubled you have only been temporary. They're not eternal. They have a little short space of time. Your cancer, your trouble, your sickness, your affliction is only temporary. But not you. When it's all over, they will be annihilated and you will be living on. What an amazing plan of redemption. And it's all wrapped up in the revelation of who Jesus is. Oh, do you know who Jesus is? Let the musicians come. That man of Galilee. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He, he caused the blind to see. Oh, some say he was just a poor man who upon this earth he trod. But he was Jesus, my Lord and my God. That's who he is. You see... On that day, oh no, when, when it comes that day and they all bow to him, I've already bowed to him. He's my Lord. There is no other one. 
Amen. Let's let's stand together. He's my Lord. There is no other one who can calm the storms of life like my Lord. He gives rest to the weary. He gives hope to the hopeless. Aren't you glad to know him? Do you know him this morning? Aren't you glad you received a message that lets you know him? Not as one of three gods. Not as one of three persons. But the only God. The Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. There.